Okay, so the Jacob Chikrin saga continues. As someone wrote to me on uh, on Twitter right before the show, it looks like the 32 Thoughts podcast, that was the most original one that just came out this morning, uh, they've shifted their focus away from the Vancouver Canucks drama to the Jacob Chikrin Arizona Coyotes drama. Well, if you think you're right, you are, uh, because this is the uh, the biggest saga going on Right now, and here's one of the questions. Will he play tonight? And if he does, will he be playing with the Arizona Coyotes or will he be playing with the Los Angeles Kings? We'll talk to Elliot Friedman about the uh, the very latest on Jacob Chikrin here coming up in a, in a couple of moments. The Chikrin saga, you know, goes back a year and a half, maybe even longer, depending on where the conversations were over 18 months ago between Camp Chikrin and Camp Arizona Coyotes. It looks like it's getting to somewhere soon. Saturday was an interesting night. We'll talk to Elliot about that. Um, When they kept Chikrin out for trade-related reasons. Now, Elliot and I talked about this on the podcast that came out this morning. Uh, Trade-related reasons is an interesting phrase, and I kind of liken it to uh, maybe my favorite NHL press release ever. And it was penned by Chris Botta, who used to run the uh, communications for the New York Islanders. When they were trying to disguise a Rick DiPietro injury, Chris, in a really nice bit of wordsmithing, wrote, uh, he's being held out or he's uh, out two to four or four to six or however long it was for general body soreness. Technically, true. Any specifics? Not interested. Um, trade-related reasons could mean a lot of things. It could mean there's an injury and we'd like to trade him so we don't want to say what the injury is. Could be true. Or there's a trade that's really close, and so in order to protect him and protect the trade, we're keeping him out of the lineup. We'll get into this with Elliot here in a couple of moments. Another thing that we should talk about today, and I, I still... I still think there's a better chance that this doesn't happen than it does happen, but it certainly is interesting to think about and certainly interesting to talk about, and that is the idea of Eric Carlson becoming an Edmonton Oiler. Now, I think there are a couple of teams that have engaged with the San Jose Sharks about Eric Carlson. I think a lot of teams have you know, certainly checked in and kicked tires and wondered about and discussed internally about what it would take to bring in someone like Eric Carlson, who is having a spectacular season. And if you're the San Jose Sharks, maybe you're saying to yourself, if we're ever going to get out from underneath the weight of this contract, the time to do it is right now. And that might even just mean eating a lot of salary, maybe 50% of the contract, maybe 45% of the contract. Not sure, but maybe the time is now to move Eric Carlson. Is he going to have this type of season next season? Don't know, uh, but this is one that is certainly spectacular, and maybe our shot to do it is right now. Um, One of the keys to all of this for the Edmonton Oilers, and I know Oilers fans are thinking, you know, the thoughts of Eric Carlson making passes to Connor McDavid in the neutral zone or Leon Dreisaitl into the neutral zone, much like we all remember the highlight, and it's one of the great highlights in the history of hockey and will always be aired as an example of a great highlight and a great pass, both sent and received the Eric Carlson pass to Mike Hoffman uh, against the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. I, I think that Oilers fans are looking at that now and saying, hmm, that could be Carlson to McDavid. And if it is Carlson to McDavid, and considering the West is wide open, what could that mean? Now, one of the things I think that the San Jose Sharks and certainly their fans will be considering is 
the Brent Burns deal really wasn't a great one for them. And they used that deal to get out from underneath the weight of that contract as Mike Greer tried to, you know, uh, give himself some cap flexibility. We expect this is going to be the basis of a lot of moves that the San Jose Sharks make in the next little while. Um, it wasn't exact, and again, we'll we'll see how Etu Metkenyemi uh, fares here uh, as he eventually graduates to a full time netminder in the NHL. I think that's probably the key to all of this. Etu Makenyemi uh, is a netminder that went from Carolina to uh, to San Jose in that one, but that deal was considered a major win for the Carolina Hurricanes and the San Jose Sharks retained on thirty three percent of Brent Burns's contract. Um, again, I still don't think the Carlson deal happens. I will be surprised and pleasantly surprised if it does because, listen, we want big names move. We want some more excitement. We want things to get loosened up around the NHL, and that would be a whopper. But we'll talk about this with Elliot here in a couple of moments. Uh, the Rangers are rolling with the Russians, by the way. The New York Rangers scoring 12 goals in two games this weekend, one against the Canes and one against the Kraken. And don't look now. But the New York Rangers have now won five games in a row. You wonder about a response from Carolina after the Rangers made their move, and you wonder about a response from the New Jersey Devils. Lots to get to today, and also looking forward to this, talking with Max Boltman of The Athletic. Really interesting piece on Jacob Verana in Grand Rapids, uh, what the future is for him, and we should also get into some Red Wings issues as well. What is the future you know, players like Tyler Bertuzzi. I talked about him on Saturday night. Where could he be headed um, come trade deadline time? And what is the future of Dylan Larkin with the Detroit Red Wings? Also coming up in hour two, Mike Rupp from the NHL Network will st- we'll stop by. Listen, we'll talk a, a lot probably about the Devils and Timo Meyer uh, and other big names around the NHL. You know, whether it's John Klingberg or Shane Gostaspare, whether it's Ivan Barbashev, whether it's... Gavrikov, whether it's, you know, take your pick, Nolachari, Ryan O'Reilly. There's still a lot of names out there, although they seem to be going quickly, and we wonder if Jacob Chikrin is the next, and we wonder if it's as early as today. That's where we'll begin with Elliot Friedman. In moments, welcome to the program. Here we go. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so uh, Elliot here from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. And there's a few names to go. I just sort of scribbled down before the show here. Names that are still available, Elliot, because it seems <laughs> as if... And we're going to start with Chikrin. But, you know, the, the list is um, still rather long and not exclusive to uh, Timo Meyer, Shane Gostisbehere, technically still Jacob Chikrin, Tyler Bertuzzi, John Klingberg, uh, Gavrikov, JVR, Barbashev, O'Reilly, Achari... Uh, a couple of Hawks defensemen, McCabe and Murphy, Andreas Athanasiu, mm-hmm. perhaps Max Domi, Nick Bugstad, uh, mm-hmm. Troy Stetcher might want to throw into this conversation, Nick Benino, Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, and there's probably a, a couple other more that I'm missing, but that was just off the top of my head right before the show. Not that we're going to get to all of them, but there are mm-hmm. still some names at play here, even though some biggies are going. And as the Chikrin saga continues, what can you tell us at 12.07 Eastern what is the latest on the Arizona Coyotes defenseman? Boy, I always hate these proclamations, right? Because they can change so quickly. Um, yeah. I look. They're they're in Nashville today. I'm curious to see if if this isn't done, if he's going to play. Um, you know, we talked a lot about this on the podcast this morning. 
Um, I do think very legitimately the Kings and uh, Coyotes were talking Chikrin uh, last week. Um, I, I think that there were very serious discussions. And the Kings have been on and off with the Coyotes for Chikrin for quite some time. And I, I think, but I do think it got serious because I don't know who, but I think the Kings were looking like Rob Blake. His history is he doesn't wait to the last minute. He he goes now or earlier than now, and he gets what he needs. And I don't know who else they were looking at, but I was told they were looking at some other players, and they basically did their homework, looked at what was available to them. And I think basically they shut out some other situations and said we're focused on one. And I, I believe that that one was Chikrin. Now, as I said on the podcast this morning, I think there's a snag. I, I think this deal has hit a problem. Uh, is that problem unsolvable? I don't know that. I, I've learned over the years that sometimes these trade talks, they go up, they go down, and you think a trade's dead, and and it stays dead, and you think a trade's dead, and suddenly it gets revived because there's a desire to get it revived. I do think the Kings like the player. I think the Kings like the price point in terms of where his contract is the next couple of years. I think the Kings want team control. I've heard that they're not really interested in a rental, that they don't think they can sign, that they want someone who's going to be part of their organization for a few years, and Chickwood fits all that. And as I said to you this morning, I think there's something else in this deal, a, a player who is not a key part of the deal, but a player whose contract needs to be moved. And I think that that's, one, that's a snag. I, I think that the, the Coyotes and the Kings have had difficulty getting that part of the deal closed, and for at least now it's brought a halt to the whole deal. And to be honest, Jeff, I, think- I, I, like I said, I think it's a player who's not – like he's critical to the deal in the sense that one of these teams wants it to happen, but he's not critical of the deal in, in, said, in, in the sense of this player is going to make the deal a better hockey deal for one of these two teams, I don't think. Do you think there's a chance now that, and listen, we've been going back and forth on this going to, going to Saturday in the press release of trade-related reasons. Uh, the dynamic of this is always interesting. Once you sort of, you know, put it out there that a team is close to a deal. We've heard this before. And we, normally we hear this after deals. Oh, I can't believe that uh, they got this player for that price. We would have paid more. Now that this is very much out in the open and everybody knows what's happening between Arizona and Los Angeles, do you think that gets other suitors to the table? Like, do you think other teams I, say, I Ooh, you know what, they're close, they're, they're, they're close here, let's, uh, let's circle back and see if we can put more sugar in the coffee than the Kings are for Chikrin? Uh, well, some people don't like sugar, Jeff, so that might not necessarily help them if they're, some people don't like sugar in their coffee. That's me. Yes, that's, you know, so why, like why, are you er- why are you erasing yourself? That, that's the question I would have. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, yes, I, I do think, I, I've heard some other teams have jumped in, but um, the, the one thing is that when, when you think you have a deal, you're that close to a deal, like it's not easy to walk it back for everybody involved, right? So I don't know how this is all going to go. Um, but I do think some other teams have, I, I do, I do think some other teams are involved in this and, um, I'm not surprised. I just, I don't know where it's going. Like a lot of people are like, as you know, in this business, 
when something is getting close to happen, you get less and less responses, right? And all I'm getting today is quiet. Oh, yeah. And like it's it, like it's quiet. Not yeah. and, and I mean it could happen any second, but I think things got kind of out of control a bit on yesterday with some of the uh, uh, with some of the names that were getting out there and and the Kings. Uh, I believe the Kings made some phone calls to tell people that hey, you're not going to be involved in this. I think they wanted to settle some people down, um, which they did. Yep. And now we're just trying to figure out where this is all going to go. But I had multiple people tell me last night and this morning, quiet. I know it can change quick. And uh, I think the biggest question is, can the Kings and the Coyotes solve this snag? Whatever it is. Yeah. What, what are those play- One of those players is Brant Clark. There was a lot of speculation yeah. Saturday night, and the Kings quieted all that up by Sunday with, uh, with the player. Um, one of the things that I was told about Arizona, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on this one now in light of an impending deal between the Kings and the Coyotes is, they're they're not so much concerned with you know having to get a center or two defensemen or uh, a, a left winger. They're more just concerned with getting as many quality players in the young players in the organization as possible, and then they'll sort the team aspect out about it at a later date. Like it sounds as if. Right now, the Coyotes are looking at, let's just get the best possible players we can here. Sometimes it's like, okay, we're looking for a center in this theater. We're looking for you know, a right-hand shot and a left-hand shot, D, etc. It sounds very much to me, based on conversations and, and one in specific um, that I had with someone, that they're more interested just in getting in young players. And it doesn't have to be a center or two right-hand shots, that they're not that specific about who they bring into the organization right now. They just want quality young players. Have you heard the same? I have heard something similar to that, yes. I I do think that that's what they want. And, you know, they have some time to sort this out before they have to pay everybody. So um, that's their plan, that uh, get the new arena, and when they open the new arena, have their next core in, in place. Uh, but you know we'll see. Um, you know we'll we'll see where this goes. I, I think that's true. I mean the other big challenge here, Jeff, is um, you know I, I think everybody kind of, like like I had a really interesting talk yesterday with someone about the the Matt Duchesne deal that Colorado did, and you know that's a deal that helped win Colorado a Stanley Cup, and now like the one thing that people learn from Joe Sakic from that is that you are patient and you wait to get the deal you want. And, you know, what someone was saying to me about that last night uh, was the the big challenge with that is um, that it doesn't always work that way for everybody. And it can really cause, you know, people get frustrated. They're humans, right? They're like, I want this to be over. And I, I think, that I'm sure on some level the Coyotes want this to be over, and I definitely think that Chikrin and his people want this to be over, definitely, especially after what happened on Saturday night. And I think, uh, I, like, I, I just wonder, like, if it's not done by today, how easy is it going to be to put him back in the lineup tonight after he's been held out for that reason? I think it's a, it's a real juggling act. It's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. Okay, so to the other big defenseman we talked about this weekend, and that is Eric Carlson. Um, and we discussed Carlson and the Edmonton Oilers. And as someone brought to my attention after we had that discussion, Elliot, 
Um, this person said, San Jose needs a home run with this. And I said, why? He said, well, look at the Brent Burns deal. And a lot of that was to, to, you know, to, to try to get the contract off the books, more flexibility, et cetera. You know, that is, you know, amongst a lot of hockey circles, considered a, a pretty big win for the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, we'll see how McInyemi uh, sorts out as, a, as an NHL goaltender. Um, you know, uh, San Jose retained 33% of uh, the contract for this and another two seasons as well. Um, this person said, if they're going to move Carlson, it's not going to be for something that resembles the Brent Burns deal. This is going to be for something sizable. I'm still on the uh, I'm still on the side that it doesn't happen. I think it's a really interesting talking point, but there are so many, I mean, so many landmines uh, and, and such a, so many different hurdles before you finally get to a deal between these two teams for that player. How do you look at this situation, and is there any type of reflection on the Brent Burns deal, the other big defenseman that San Jose has moved out? Well, I, I think that you know the interesting thing about this is is that at the end of last year, um, I, I think there was kind of a situation of we have to move one of Burns or Carlson because we have a luxury here. We have too many of the same guy. And I mean, yes. it's it, in some ways it's almost crazy to say, because it goes back to that point you were making a couple seconds ago about the coyotes that you can never have too many great players. Well, San Jose found out they got two guys here who are going to the hall of fame. And the problem is that they both need to play the same role and it just didn't work. Right. So they moved Burns to give yep. Carlson more of that role and Carlson could get 100 points this year and win the Norris Trophy, and look what we're talking about. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it when people say, you know, well, you've got to hit a home run with this trade, because number one, you try to hit a home run with every trade. That's number one. And number two, like, it's an impossible standard. You're not going to, win, you're not going to hit a home run with every trade. Like, sometimes you have the hammer, and sometimes you don't. Like, there yeah. were people who thought, St. Louis got robbed on the Tarasenko deal. And the thing that everybody has to remember is that Tarasenko had the hammer there. You know, he could say, I'm going only here. And there wasn't much that St. Louis could do about it. And that's the same thing with Carlson. Like Carlson has the hammer here. And, you know, San Jose can say, look, you've got to work with us. But ultimately, Eric Carlson's the guy who's going to determine where he goes. And because of his contract being the way it is, other teams are going to say, San Jose, you're going to have to play ball with us. I think this. I think there's, there's one thing, there's only one way that the Sharks should be talking about this. And that is, what is the best move for our organization? What is, the be- what, what is our goal here? Are, do we absolutely have to trade Eric Carlson now? Do we want, is the return the most important thing? Or is it getting out of the, out of the contract the money, the cap space, everything. And you have to go from there. Because like the one thing is, like, if you're San Jose, the odds of you hitting a home run, which is winning the trade, not retaining a ton of salary, and, 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 and moving to Carlson to a place where you want to move him to, it's very unlikely to happen. Like, you just, like, not, only is, not only would that be a home run, 
That's like a Reggie Jackson out of Tiger Stadium home run. And you only see those hit once <laughs> wow, every 50 yeah. years. Yeah. Like that's that that's once every 50 years. I think you just have to be realistic. Yeah. Like if you're if you're the Sharks, what do you want now? Do you have to negotiate hard? Yes. Do you have to try to grind to get to get the most that you can? Yes. You have to do all that stuff. But I think you have to be realistic about what it is that you're doing. And if you want to move Carlson so that you can create flexibility, open up your checkbook, things like that, or, or just move the money now as you go through a bit of a rebuild, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that or doing that as long as you're just honest about it. You say, hey, like, you may not like this. Yeah. Let's just say the trade isn't a great trade for them in terms of personnel, Jeff. Then you just say, look, this is what we needed to do to accomplish some other steps. Judge us when this is all over. And I know not everybody listens to that, but I understand that. Teams go through that. Uh, let me ask you about Sidney Crosby. So okay. we've talked plenty about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their frustrations sometimes and various situations. So th- this weekend we saw a really frustrated Sidney Crosby. Yes, uh, we did. Whether it was the game against, the game against Anaheim uh, going at Trevor Zegras. Uh, which was an interesting dynamic, and yeah. and then going up against and 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 going at Kyle Murchison. Uh, this is up against the Los Angeles Kings. Murchison was one of the officials, and ended up chucking Crosby out of the game. Now, there's in front of the net. Okay, let me make this clear. In front of the net, I really like cross checking, and I like defensemen to try to push players out of the way. Like I think that's like that 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 that's an area. It's like. That's the area of the boxing ring where you expect to get hit. And that's where mm-hmm. contact is going to be initiated. And I don't like, you know, four guys just standing there because you can't touch anyone. So yeah. I don't mind Mikey Anderson cross-checking Sidney Crosby in front of the net. I think it's a sport where if you're standing there, you have to expect it. There's only one time that I don't like it. Like, I really, really don't like it. And that's when a shot's coming in. Mm-hmm. When there's a shot coming in and you get cross-checked and you go down... That's a recipe for real danger because you're not in control. So yep. Crosby gets hit, cross-checked high by, uh, by Mikey Anderson on uh, the game against the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday. Crosby, as we've seen, it looks like he's like diving down, <laughs> diving down off like a, a 15-meter 15 uh, meter board or something. And he goes down and he's hot. Like, I understand that. Like, I don't know. To me, it's like gentleman's agreement in this violent sport. When there's a shot coming in, you stop. Like, you don't mm-hmm. try to cross-check someone down because they could get hit in the head, hit in the face, hit in the spine, hit in the neck, wherever. I don't mm-hmm. mind it if you're standing there. That's fine. But when the shot's coming in, and so Crosby's hot, he goes at Murchison, and he won't stop. Murchison's yep. like, you're done, you're done, you're done, and then finally kicks him out of the game. How much of this weekend is about those particular incidents, either with Trevor Zegras or with Mikey Anderson slash Kyle Murchison, how much do you think that is just frustration from Sidney Crosby about this season so far? I think almost all of it, uh, to be honest, Jeff. I mean, look, their, their math is good. That's the one thing that they, that they, they like, uh, that you would like for the Penguins. Their math of the playoffs is very good. They are in control to take care of their own business, unlike, say, the Islanders or the Panthers. That's the, the, the thing you like most about the Penguins. But he can't stand losing, and he's got to know – that if they get the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs, which is where I think it would be if it started today, that's that's really bad news for Pittsburgh. Really bad news. So I, I, you, I mean, you know that he would hate that. Zegers, man, um, you know he's becoming that guy 
Um, he makes people crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zegers makes people crazy. Yep. Um, and uh, I really feel that uh, Crosby, uh, like, there's something about that guy that gets under people's skin. And he, he did it to Sid the other night. You know, the, the other thing, too, is the other thing about that game is it was 6 nothing at the time, I think. Yep. I th- and And they're getting creamed. You know, also, if you look at it, Jeff, he gets hit in the head as by another player, right? Like, he, he goes down yeah. and he gets kneed in the head. It's a glancing blow, but it's a blow. And we all know Sidney Crosby's history. So it's 6 nothing. He gets knocked down. He gets, like, it's an accidental knee to the head because Crosby gets knocked down kind of in the direction of whoever it is that does it. And I think, if I remember correctly, because uh, I'm kind of, I haven't looked at the place since Saturday night when it first happened. I think the guy tries to avoid him, but he still gets him. And I got to think if you're Crosby with everything you've been through, that's got you mad too, Jeff. And then finally, um, you know, that was a tough one for, for Pittsburgh. It wasn't exactly a long back-to-back Anaheim from L.A. I mean, I know freeway traffic is brutal and everything like that. But, you know, the like they had to sit there for like two hours during the ceremony, which was a really good ceremony. Yeah. But that game didn't start till like, after 11 o'clock Eastern time, yeah. I don't think. So I bet you they're sitting there and they're like, this is ridiculous. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, I think that probably, all of that probably played a role into it. I'll, I'll say this though. I, like, I would hope that Crosby would be, I would hope that Crosby would be given a lot of leeway. I think he's earned it. It's because also on Saturday night, Bunting got a penalty, right? And it was yeah. it, the interesting thing about the bunting penalty is he wasn't given a misconduct. He was given a minor. And I think if I remember correctly, Chris and Craig who were calling that game actually thought they were like, wow, like he gave him a penalty, a two minute minor, which in a close game is not what you'd want. You almost prefer the misconduct because now you're shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, the beaking between players and, and referees it's such a fine line. I think there has to be room for everybody. Like Jeff, like you and me, we yell at each other all the time. There has to be room for people to give it to each other. And I think the line has yeah. to be clear for what you can go over and what you can't go over. And I, I just think at this time of year in big games, if I was an official, I would want to give some guys an extra berth, knowing that there's a red line yeah. that they cannot cross. And I hope and everybody would be cleared as to what that red line is and isn't. Uh, release valve. I agree. Allow the players to have the release valve. W- one thing I wanted to mention to you uh, before you wrap up. So I had an interesting uh, Twitter exchange this morning with Richard Torrey. Richard Torrey is oh, I one saw of that. the late Bill Torrey's sons. So I really so I, I want to follow up with him too. So the whole thing started. There was a discussion online uh, between uh, Richard Torrey and Howie Rose, and they're talking about the Dennis Pod fan trade and you know who you know Bill Torrey was offered from the Montreal Canadiens, and Howie mentioned that you know Bill always said you know the uh, the Rangers offer from Emil Francis uh, the cat was better than what Montreal was was offering, which was interesting. And then Arthur Torrey. 
uh, weighs in and says, it's omerta for GMs to talk about the guys that were discussed in deals that never happened. I asked our dad about it, and he would only say that the players, Sam Pollock, offered were never that good to give up the pick. With the draft age of 20, he would say Dennis Potvin was a can't-miss first pick. And then a gentleman by the name of Brian at Finally Sock says, Merrick is always saying GMs should be required to write a book on, uh, on retirement. And while reality makes sense, knowing so would be so much fun. And then Brian or Richard pipes in, Pops always planned on writing one when he retired, saved thousands of articles, pictures, notes, letters. He just never retired. And knowing that Bill Torrey always wanted to write a book and passed away before he could, that took a little piece of my hockey heart today, Elliot. And it just reinforces that I really do think that GMs owe it to hockey history to document and put it somewhere when they're all said and done. What do you think about that? It's a long way of saying of me saying, do you think GMs should you know just come clean at the end of their careers? I think that uh, what Richard should do is give you all of his father's memorabilia and let you uh, look at it. I would write it. I would write it. I would love to write it. Uh, they, hey, Merrick, you ever going to write a book? Mm, no, until I had this exchange with Richard Torrey this morning. And now I'm like, let me write Bill Torrey's book. <laughs> just please, <laughs> just to have access to all the notes and the letters yeah, absolutely. and the articles, etc. I, 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 again, like I know we've talked about it before. I just think that, listen, you know how I am about history. I think a lot of us are about history and the interest in, you know, what the alternative universe of the NHL could look like based on what ifs. You and I talk about it all the time. We're always talking in theoreticals. I just think that that's a protein shake or catnip or however you want to describe it, I think, for hockey fans. Oh, it, I think, is a little bit strong, but it would be nice if more GMs thought that way. How about that? I agree with you. For once, you're right. Quick, end on that one. Elliot agrees. Okay, uh, you enjoy the rest of your afternoon chasing Jacob Chikrin's stories, and uh, we'll continue with the program. Thanks, as always, Fridge. All right, take care, Merrick. Have a great day. There he is from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman. Coming up in hour two, a couple of different things we're going to do here. Uh, we're going to do a little weekend in review. It was an interesting one over this past weekend, folks, whether it was uh, goaltending injuries and, man, do I just, and I think a lot of us do, just feel awful about Anton Forsberg. Oh, that was such a tough one. Uh, to all the stuff between Arizona and the Los Angeles Kings. And we had first goals scored by 31-year-olds, which is awesome. Uh, the Eric Carlson situation, Artemi Panarin putting on an absolute show uh, for the New York Rangers against the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll also talk to Mike Rupp uh, in hour two. Yes, we do have the random player of the day. But joining me next to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. He has a really interesting piece uh, sitting down and talking to Jacob Verana uh, at The Athletic. And we'll go over you know all other issues that are the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, expectations, what they'll look like before trade deadline, what they'll look like after trade deadline. And what they'll look like come July 1st with one person in particular... Larkin, comma, Dylan. Max Boltman from The Athletic joins me in moments. Uh, Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.